Uh, so hey everyone, happy Friday officially. This is the Digital Cash Rundown, episode 132. 132 plus weeks I've been doing this, which it's kind of like when um there was some like TikTok mom who's like, I have like a 41 month old at home and it's like, 41, well, when are you going to switch to years, lady? Like, it's not months, <laughs> it's not months anymore. Yeah, it's like two years is when you switch to months, you go to 24 months and then it's 23 two. months and then yes. it's two years <laughs> yes so uh we have a obviously hit like and subscribe if you're already doing that um and we have a fun show um nft super chat if you have my nft you know where to go drop some comments in show some love because um uh one of my number one fans maybe my number one fan specifically requested i have you back on i'm like you know what why not this week so i reached out so you love having me on too though just to yes. admit it Yes, I definitely do. Uh, it, it, it's always a good time. And, um, you know, hopefully the pixels kind of dry up over there. But, you know, if not, I you can re- reference previous uh, um, articles or previous shows or just Google Pumpamentals and just see if the video comes up. And then, you know, and like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember her. So Am I super you. pixelated? You're really pixelated for me. Wow. You know what? I will say this is Jitsi's problem. Jitsi is usually really mm-hmm. good, but it has mm-hmm. these seasons that sucks. And today mm-hmm. I was doing the Zcash podcast and both of my guests got dropped out like twice towards the end. It was working great and it started to go weird. So mm-hmm. I do have to just professionalize out of Jitsi, but I'm also too cheap to like pay for Zoom or whatever. So yeah. maybe I'll have to maybe I'll have to actually do something. You could do um, StreamYard. Yeah, um, it doesn't really work with all the other things I do, like stream to Odyssey and stuff. Unless, again, I started uh, yeah. to pay them, and I don't know yeah. pay them. Um, let's see. Oh, we got a we got an NFT super chat here, real quick, before we get started with stuff. Um, Hilawi says, "Before Nerd Girl 007 leaves, we need a complete compilation of those liquidity and audited clips." <laughs> so. Someone has seen both of them. Yes. Great, great. So, Do you guys remember? Uh, does anybody remember the uh, chain link one where I said something like, "If you sell your chain link now, you've got balls made of cotton candy." <laughs> no, but that's quite the um, quite the visual, you know. Yeah, you know, in like that, like ASMR mm-hmm. voice that yeah. I did those videos in. Yeah, I mean. On like, uh, I know you're trying to do the opposite direction, but if you ever decided, you know, the the real world sucks and you want to go back to crypto, uh, just get Elon to like monetize you, get a subscriber thing, and just do subscriber only content where like every week you release a new like ASMR crypto video about something for just subscribers. You could get a bunch yeah. of subscribers. I mean, you gave that stuff away for free before. You know, might as well. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's a good idea. Maybe that's what I should do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let me see if it makes sense. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Chloe also said in the regular chat, he says, "No, I missed that one." Just talking about the that last one. But anyway, let's let's get onto the super serious guys' um, news stuff. So, Thorchain, right? Thorchain has been something I've been harping on forever. I've been using since the Chaos Net days years ago, and most people just like, what is that? And then 
now, like finally these last couple months, I feel like it's getting its day in the sun. I think it's the top in the top three, if not the top two decks by volume right now. It's like okay. up there with like Pancake Swap and Uniswap. And um which is fantastic. The problem though is um apparently the FTX drainer or hacker or whatever term you want to say um has been moving a bunch of funds through Thorchain. Specifically using the ThorSwap interface, which is like the the biggest interface for it, I guess, where one of the trust wallet gets more um, volume than Thor, ThorSwap, but ThorSwap is just the most known interface. Um, anyway, so basically, ThorSwap decided to temporarily shut down. And basically, it says, a pressing and persistent concern has recently come to light, the potential movement of illicit funds through ThorChain and specifically ThorSwap. Such activities have no place in the ThorSwap platform, and ThorSwap stands firmly against any and all criminal actions. Yesterday, following a careful evaluation of the situation and consultation with advisors, legal counsel, and law enforcement, the decision was made to temporarily transition the ThorSwap interface into maintenance mode. This action was taken swiftly to curtail any further potential illicit activity, and they'll Hopefully be back in a couple of days or whatever. All right. So what's your, your hot take on this thing right away? Right. So this was the Thor chain, the, the Thor chain decks shutting down temporarily because of illicit activity, right? Or more specifically, it's the Thor swap interface of the Thor okay. chain decks. So that would be kind of like 2015 Coinbase shutting down to keep Bitcoin yeah. from being laundered there. It's kind of a parallel, not really, but kind of. Yeah, and so I know you said, like, this is an example of a decentralized protocol not being shut down, but, like, a centralized front end being shut down, right? So, like, I I mean, I don't, like, the same kind of thing has happened with Uniswap, like, blocking Mm -hmm. certain tokens or, you know, um, with uh, Ethereum, like, sanctioning... In, uh, cert, like anything that transact any wallets that transacted on Tornado mm-hmm. Cash, right? Yeah, or that getting sanctioned on Ethereum. It wasn't yeah, that, Ethereum that, that did it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think like you've made the argument that there is a difference between it, mm-hmm. but like to me, it looks it looks really bad, right? Like if, if they can just shut things down because of illegal, illicit activities, like... Mm-hmm then then how is that how is that really considered decentralized and how are how are we supposed to make people who don't understand the difference between a centralized front end and a decentralized protocol believe that anything is decentralized yeah so this comes to um a great point because people try to make there there's very black and white cut and dry principles at play but there's an entire spectrum of realities there like people say bitcoin's decentralized Mm -hmm. i mean kind of kind of also a couple big mining pools control everything sort of but then if they start censoring because of the structure of bitcoin maybe it would still be okay because it's so much nuance it's so hard they'll just be like this and that um let me just hit um this tweet from 
TCB or Thor Maximalist as he goes by on this. He says, a little birdie told me Thor Swap would be back in a few days and the average users wouldn't know or feel the difference. So it's time to show support for the trailblazers. Trailblazers, they were the first ThorChain UI. And so, yes, I kind of agree with that thing. The thing is, clearly he's got some insider knowledge that can't really be shared publicly. Uh, we'll be back in a few days, and the average users wouldn't know or feel a difference. So what what that begs the question is we, exactly what is different. It's clear that, first of all, from my knowledge, Thor Swap specifically is U.S.-based. And probably my favorite Thor chain and my protocol, by the way, um, front end is Thor Wallet, and they're based in Switzerland. And that's one of the reasons they plug into off-ramps and on-ramps that allow you to do KYC-free transfers from your bank to buy crypto for a certain limits. And because they're, mm -hmm. you know, because Switzerland's a much better regulatory environment, I guess, for crypto. Um, but so I guess the point is, like, if they're going to be back with everything the same, um, are they just going to be like, all right, well, ThorSwap's going to check and see if there have some algo that runs to see if, this is a tainted address or came from an address that just came from a known tainted address and is blacklisted and it just won't let you trade. Are they just gonna let you trade everything, but they're gonna have some certain tracking, like IP address and other thing tracking that have with a direct conduit to law enforcement. So now you're super surveilled if you use ThorSwap. I don't know what it's gonna mean, but you know, it's kind of time to find out, right? And that's the thing is like, yeah. Uh, the thing that's about ThorChain is um, it's a network of like a bunch of nodes that are located all over the world and stuff like that. And the practical way of using it is through these interfaces because it's it's mm -hmm. a highly technical thing. But you yep. can just use it from your wallet. Like you can open up like a Bitcoin Core wallet or Electrum and then just send to their address with the op return field, the memo field, just say, Etc. 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 And then it'll pop out, and then you'll get Litecoin in the address you specified. You just you, so you can send it from fully open source software. You don't even need to use an interface. That that being said, that's not how most people do it, right? Most people are going through these front ends. So if it's super decentralized on a structural level, but all the interfaces or most of the interfaces are not are censoring things, that's when you start to hit into the the murky territory right right and so far we just have one but we'll see we'll see what happens next right yeah well i mean i feel like the same thing happens on ethereum with like uniswap's front end censoring things for people who are in the u.s and even metamask you know having a centralized front end that can censor certain you know certain mm -hmm. transactions and then it's like well if these are the most popular platforms and the most popular means of accessing, you know, this network, what's the difference between them censoring and the network being censored itself? Yeah. And, uh, and for all intents and purposes, right? Like there is a difference, but the perception is the reality. And like, if the perception is this is censorable, then decentralization goes out the window. Yeah. So there was even a conversation between like Eric Voorhees and Chris Black on one of the threads you sent me about mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Uh, let me hit on this thing that 
the, the tweet that I put out there um, about decentralized protocols don't shut down because of pressure. Centralized front ends may. He says, if all the front ends M sensor, the protocol's decentralization matters little. Keep tabs on all major Thorchain interfaces. And then down there, um, David shares um, comment. He says, do any other DEXs run? What he meant is like UIs, like windows into the protocol run on mm -hmm. Thorchain, or is it the only one? And so I said, I mentioned the ones I know, which are Shapeshift, Thorwallet, DeFi Spot, Rango, Swapper, Rocket Exchange, First Wallet, and DecentralFi. And then it's in TrustWallet, EdgeWallet, Ledger, and XDeFi. And then there's an open source DEX called Asgard DEX that you, it's just like, a, you know, like you download the client, you can compile it from the source code, and you can just use that to trade. So there's a bunch of things, uh, ways of still using this. One of the big, the, the, the first big one kind of popped out there, and that one is start, you know, is running into issues with regulators because it's US based. A lot of these other ones are not US based. But more importantly, I just think it's very important to watch what happens because this is that moment. This is like, you know, when the Silk Road happened and there was a lot of reason for people to want to crack down on, uh, on Bitcoin transactions. In the end, they just ended up finding the Silk Road, shutting down the first version and, you know, arresting Ross Ulbricht and things like that. Mm -hmm. They didn't do anything about Bitcoin. And because they first they I wouldn't really say they couldn't, but they it would have been way more difficult than what they would have gotten out of it. So they took the, the quickest way of achieving their their goals. Well, or did they, or is that when they started, you know, spreading massive FUD campaigns about Bitcoin while accumulating tons of Bitcoin so that the largest financial entities in the world, like, you know, BlackRock could control more of Bitcoin? Yeah, that could have been a thing too. And that's things we really don't know because uh, to a certain extent, it's... It could have shaken out exactly the same without direct government interference, but it could have also been a result of that. We really don't know, but um, I guess the point is um, this is similar to, I would say that obviously you have to see what happens with other front ends. It could be that there becomes a sting operation or something and like eight out of 10 of these front ends get like shut down and then just becomes like a, like a game of whack-a-mole them cropping up, but like most users are just scared away from Thorchain and it mm -hmm. could that could happen I don't think it's going to happen but it could now we have to watch for that the thing is I would argue the situation is actually a lot worse for Bitcoin because it's not just a user experience issue if you have to switch like because of the, the network constraints and you can't really transact easily en masse at least, unless you use the Lightning Network through one of these big hubs like the Async node and you know and the Phoenix wallet and, or mo more realistically, a completely custodial centralized solution, which is what's happening all over the place. Right. And mm -hmm. so if they start implementing, if all Lightning hubs, major Lightning hubs and custodial wallets started implementing harsh KYC, uh, that would have a much... That would, that would have a worse effect on Bitcoin's usability than if literally 100% of the ThorChain UIs got completely censored. And I think that the Bitcoin network right now, if I were to guess, it's really hard to tell, is probably more centralized, more decentralized and censorship resistant than the ThorChain bear network. I would think mm -hmm. that right now. But 
it's it's kind of more precarious, right? It's more precarious on the other side of things. So mm-hmm. this isn't something that's like really easy to be like, yes, no, <laughs> you know, it's right. we're right in the middle of like this, this messy situation. We just time will tell, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, what's something that I, I also found is first of all, there's something with, um, it all goes back to the, uh, what is it? The, um, the tornado cash and Uniswap thing, mm-hmm. because from mine and I'm, and it was never a big ETH person, like you know here and there, but like learning back about that stuff. From to my understanding, first of all, Tornado Cash was a company that hot, that did VC funding and stuff like that, like a company with bank accounts that did VC funding, and the company itself. Nali developed the smart contract, Tornado Cash, and deployed it. And even though it was untouchable, I guess, after deploy, they still deployed it. And then they ran the main front end themselves. So to the government's eyes and to the government's ability to censor, obviously, it was basically like a centralized company that just like, it's just like a, a business, a whole shop that just in the back there's a vending machine that just automatically spits stuff out if you do stuff. And they're like, look, look, it's automated. It's not us. But it's like, come on. We know what's going on here. And right. so I I don't know as much about Uniswap, but I know that Uniswap runs the Uniswap front end for the most part. Like yep. it's highly centralized from my understanding. If anyone's saying, like, oh, MetaMask does more. Okay, fine. I'm wrong. Whatever. But it seems like it's highly centralized around that. Um, yeah. What Thorchain did differently is Thorchain does not, the Thorchain team, none of the Thorchain teams run the ThorSwap front end or any front end. Now, the problem is ThorSwap, first off, has a very similar name, so there's conflation, but also they launched a rant like right at the beginning and they got a lot of market share early on. And so it's like, it's a definite improvement over Tornado Cash and Uniswap. But there's still some fuzziness there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I was thinking about also, so the Maya Protocol does the same thing as ThorChain yeah. and all the same mm-hmm. things, except unlike the ThorChain developers and stuff, they're or in excess of, they're not only more anonymous, and I know that they don't have bank accounts or any of that stuff because I've actually, I've helped them do some like promotional things. So they just literally have no fiat way of paying for the stuff. They literally right. have to go through like partners and stuff, but also the team that we know of. So some of the team, at least we know is lo- located primarily in Mexico. So they're not in the U S or not subject to U S laws, unless it becomes like a super like international terrorism type thing where, so then that's, that's further a little bit more decentralized, but still not like a completely ghost anon, running on its own. There's still like a team. And and so we're, we're, we're starting to inch away. And then, I don't know, do you think you can run these kinds of exchange infrastructure, things like that, in a completely decentralized and censorship way, censorship-resistant way? Do you think that's practically feasible? To run a DEX in a completely decentralized way? Yeah, to start and to start and get going, I guess, a... a meaningful decks. 
So I guess that really depends on what you mean by decentralized, right? Like, is there a company controlling it and maintaining the front end? Like, you know, where exactly do you draw the line of decentralization? Does that include ownership of the DEX token? Because, like, decentralization definitely exists on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Um, probably what I, my closest definition would be if the team involved or whatever goes down in a plane crash heaven forbid what uh-huh. happens does it still chug along like nothing happened yeah or is it like a big problem and then some other company might have to come in and be like we're gonna arrest you like you know, okay gotcha. that's the thing is if bitcoin if like the bitcoin miners some of them are still in the, the game like ant pool and stuff but like a lot of the Chinese mining farms got kind of disrupted and a lot of the hash rate moved to the U.S. after the China mining ban and became in, like, involved with like, U.S.-based companies and things like that. So you could say that like the people running Bitcoin kind of got like switched out and no mm-hmm. one really noticed. So that's a good mm-hmm. sign. Now, the Bitcoin core developers, what would happen if, let's just say, the feds seized control of the Bitcoin core repository? And everyone knew the feds did like would bitcoin still be okay would people still chug along would like that would be the question where at, if the answer is yes then that's that would be sufficiently decentralized probably well but the bitcoin core repository like the bitcoin's core code can be changed and has been changed yes right so if if it were in control of some you know was it the feds were in control of it. They could inflate the supply. They could do anything. Would Bitcoin be okay? No, most certainly not. Although, to be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of Bitcoin Core's development team as it is. So, Um, And obviously, Bitcoin Cash was, for the most part, just a copy of Bitcoin, like just literally split off with a different block size and then didn't do all the replaced by fee and, you know, and SegWit and stuff. And people didn't like, like, the market spoke and I so far, which I know right. all the Bitcoin Cash fans watching is going to lose their, their mind. I don't mean permanently, by the way. The market's right. always speaking. Who knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. in the future. But the point is, people said, oh, the risk, the unknown risk factors behind this team is just like, too much compared to what's already there and the interest in right but i mean it was also total manipulation because the you know bitcoin Mm. core controlled the media at that time and they really you know they really effectively controlled the message controlled that narrative yes this is also true Mm -hmm. um so the, the funny thing though in the bitcoin cash case is the actual development team that forked bitcoin cash got like yep. kicked out and now is doing e-cash so yep. that's like amari yes yeah and so it's kind of interesting how that that like bitcoin cash is still around at least bitcoin cash has shown that it is represented by ideas that are outside of that first development group that that created it and mm-hmm. so that's a good decentralization sign they say they have four in protocol implementation teams and say, oh, they all work together and it's like super decentralized stuff. And it's like, seems like a great start. They also just relatively recently forked off the Amari's team and stuff. 
So oh, they we'll did? See, okay, I haven't been well, following. Well, recently, like within the last couple of years, right? And so okay, basically, um, it remains to be seen how long you keep this whole like decentralized infrastructure kind of thing going. There were a lot of different Bitcoin node implementations, and now it's mm-hmm. like almost all Bitcoin core. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, I actually did at the time when Amari's team was forking off and there was like so much, you know, drama within the Bitcoin <laughs> cash. I wrote, I did an interview with Amari and wrote mm-hmm. a paper about fork trauma that quite mm-hmm. a lot of people read it. I don't know if you read it, um, but if you have not read it, I would recommend it. It was recently republished under a different title um, from a, a, a news outlet called Gnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm probably read it i don't don't remember that name specifically but you know yeah the amount of stuff that like passes through my brain on a day-to-day basis is yeah <laughs> extreme I mean, it was years ago yeah um but yeah it's a it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing for uh shakes out um i am honestly optimistic that mostly decentralized permissionless protocols can win out and be usable as such i i think that People are still good. Like, honestly, I think that it'll more fall on um, big companies and front ends and major wallets, as well as the individual user. Where, if the individual does like steals money and sends it all over the place, even if they're able to freely do so on a protocol level, they're still going to be surveilled, and then the government's going to figure out, and then they're going to get arrested. <laughs> so, I think it'll. I, I guess my my um meet halfway on the whole regulation of the space type thing is I do, I do remain optimistic that within the next 10 years, we'll be able to get a system where everyone can use crypto and every and crypto itself remains like technically decentralized and censorship resistant. But what it means for the everyday person, it'll, it'll be more like trying to live on a cash only business today where you can do it. It's just much of a, more of a pain in the ass. And if, and some people might look at you with a little bit of suspicion if you completely don't touch anything like, you know, legit. So it'll right. probably be a similar system. I don't know if you, you think so or not. So and one thing that I can say, like, you know, we, we talked last time that I was here, uh, you know, a lot about the Hex smart contract, right? And everyone knows that mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of it. Is that like, let's say that, you know, Richard and everyone who developed that smart contract and even the front, you know, even maintains the the hex staking front end died in a plane crash, right? Mm-hmm. The contract would continue to run. Nothing would change. The front end itself, you know, would would suffer but there are multiple other front ends that other teams run that you can still access the contract through so that's one reason that i'm like such a huge fan of it nothing like it's you know it's completely immutable it cannot be changed it it, as the front end itself could suffer but there are other ways to access that contract yeah and that's something that i think it'll be interesting to actually see because same thing with tornado cash except just in practice, almost everyone used a Tornado Cash official front end. And after right. the sanctions, it just became too hot. And people just like, the volume, people still use it today, but it, the volume went way down for sure. Yeah. Um, do you know what, have you kept tabs on like what Hex's activity is like, whether it's trading activity or anything like that after the whole so SEC the, thing? The trading volume is relatively low, but has always mm-hmm. been low. 
Um, and then, but the actual number of stakers and the amount of hex that has staked has increased. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, let me see. Let's check out some CoinGecko stuff real quick. Um, so CoinGecko wouldn't be the best. Um, mm-hmm. Like they're not, they don't really provide super reliable information about hex. Just like Coin Market Cap <laughs> is really censored. I would try Coin Paprika. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny is like um, the very like the top trading pairs at least what CoinGecko says. Because honestly, I'm too lazy to look into it too much about that right now in real time. But um, it's all like all Uniswap V three V three V two, and then BitGet and talk pie or whatever and so yeah it's uh it's kind of funny how like it's censored from uniswap front end but it's still yeah. uniswap is the number one way probably that people are tra- again having not checked out more realistic data but from from the data i know it seems like the number one way people are trading hex with other well assets. except for that more people are trading hex on pulse chain now so mm-hmm. they're using pulse x yeah, um, I'll have to look into the whole you know charts for that. And uh, before we roll into the the whole like hex thingy or the pulse thing, I should yeah. say, yeah, um, the Mario Party conversation, the Marty Party, Go yeah, Marty, Marty Party. Party. Um, so you can read this tweet. Um, I read it. I actually read it even like early. I like I follow Marty. We converse regularly. I like his posts. I like his analysis. Yeah. So like. Um, the viewers at home are welcome to go uh, Marty Party Music and check out his this big thread here. Um, but it's pretty interesting because I'm, I can't read the whole thing out, but basically Gary Wang, co-founder of FTX, in this Q&A in the, in the SBF trial, right? So did you commit financial crimes all over FTX? Yes. What time? Wire fraud, securities fraud, commodities fraud. Did you commit with other people? Other people. Who else did you commit these with? Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, Nishad Singh, and Caroline Ellison. We're talking about Alameda, blah, blah, blah. And so just a bunch of, basically just said, um, um, when you say we withdrew unlimited amounts of funds, whose funds were you talking about? Those of customers. Customers of what? Of FTX. Um, and then, geez, then SBF did that too. He says, let the record reflect the witnesses identified the defendant. Um, so basically says, we gave special privileges to Alameda Research on FTX, which allowed it to withdraw unlimited amounts of funds from the platform, and we lied about this to the public. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, FTX allowed Alameda Research, which is their, their partner organization, but basically the same thing, to just take out as much money as they wanted from customers' balances, etc. Just like, take it all out. Or not from customers' balances, from customers' money, yes, mm-hmm. but it, it was not reflected like, hey, you have a third of the Bitcoin you used to because Alameda's playing with it real quick. Like, that didn't show up on <laughs> customers' balance just to be right. clear about that. But they basically just, yeah, it's, it's a giant, like, fraud, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. so just testimony, I'm sure Gary Wang took a plea deal of some sort. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's getting off easier. And I'm sure also that SBF is probably pretty screwed at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if if you agree with that, because there's some people that still think that 
he's going to get off relatively light. Yeah. Um, honestly, I don't know. Like, I think, you know, if our financial system, like if our system is as corrupt as we, you know, as a lot of us really believe that it is, and, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried's family paid off all of the right people, which are, you know, among the allegations, that the chances that he could, you know, walk away with a slap on the wrist and time served definitely exist, right? Like, I can't pretend to know the inner workings of the judicial system or what, you know, are they real? Like, it definitely seemed in those early days that they were trying to make it seem like Sam was just another victim mm-hmm. of FTX, you know? But when those articles that they had published in major media outlets like Forbes and, you know, New York Times and everywhere were so poorly received, they kind of had to, like, you know, dial it back and and make it seem like they weren't so on his side. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to... That's the thing that I, I learned, you know, early on, like... Part of like growing up in Mexico and dealing with la corrupción and all that kind of stuff, corruption as a more commonplace thing where it's more of like a a slant, like a in your a, face corruption. It, yeah, yeah, it's more like it's there's not a single person who believes the government is not corrupt, right? Just right. zero people. Whereas there's a lot of people in the U.S. that that believe that it isn't corrupt, which is wild, but um, right, not more wild today than it was a few years ago. But I guess the point is, um, every dictator is subject to the free market to a certain extent because there's only so far you can push your people before they rise up and, you know, take your head off. And so even if you have absolute power, you still have constraints by how far you push that before you just lose everything. And it's the same thing with, I guess, this sort of a thing where I think that they wanted to put SBF in the place to be like, we want one of the more powerful actors in all of crypto to be on our team. And we want to use that position of authority to advocate for more regulation stuff that helps our bankster buddies. That much is obvious. Right. When he screws up, which I don't think was part of the plan, I think he just mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely blew it. When he screws up and loses all everyone's money, they first they start going into damage control mode where they're just like, oh, you know. Uh. But then like, that lasted like a week, like maybe a little more, but it has lasted very little time before they realized, oh, yeah, we can't we can't clean this up. This is I mean, much. but the thing Just, was, it, yeah. it only lasted that long. Like it, it would have continued if people had been receptive to that, yes. you know, to that messaging. It was mm-hmm. just the fact that people were not at all receptive. They were like, what are you kidding me? No. Yeah, <laughs> people, you know, and I think that that has something to do with like um, also like the crypto world where the crypto world has always been like, like the out it's always been like the new kids on the block has always been sort of rejected by the mainstream and are always very defensive against mainstream things. And also is there's no real like crypto media as it were. Like if Cointelegraph publishes something, no one's going to be like, all right, that's what the news is. I mean, some people might just because they saw it written somewhere, but it's not like there's this authority structure like, boomers with legacy media it's like anything on twitter and then oh then cz says that's not true blah 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 and then this person it's so it's not as i i think that 
the whole like the SBF puff piece kind of salvo worked on the boomers who weren't in crypto to begin with or were kind of like a toe in whereas right. like the crypto native people were just like this isn't how we do that we don't do that here you know right. we don't this isn't how we do things and so when they saw it wasn't working they were just like yep time to let them go cut ties you know let them adrift and i think um i think that's probably at this point especially considering like his parents are like implicated in all this stuff too, where it's not just like, Oh, this one kid, it's just like, Oh, a a Ron family. I think that they might have to just like cut them loose and just let them suffer what they, the consequences they should suffer, but like actually let them. That's my bet. Do you think, do you think they're just going to let them throw the book at them? I I mean, I, I really don't know. I think it depends on the, on the level of corruption. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I think that it's super corrupt. So I think that it's possible that, you know, everybody just kind of walks away with time served. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like to, I like to make my predictions ahead of time, not because I think I'm good at them, but because I just want to see, I want to see where I'm at because I've been very wrong about some things in the past. Um, well, I mean, ha- yeah. so far, like, just the fact that he's out, well, he's back in jail now, is he not, for, I like, violating, so. yeah, but just the fact that he was released to his parents, you know, multi-million dollar California home for, mm-hmm. he was outrageous, it was completely outrageous. Yeah, it was ridiculous, um, and that, that's clearly where the, the where the, um, the benefits kind of showed up of having all these connections, but, um. Anyway, uh, Hilawi had another super chat about the, the ThorChain thing. He says, why are North Koreans and hackers going straight to ThorChain and not mixing ahead of time, meaning like CoinJoin and stuff? And I don't have an answer to this necessarily other than, one, they don't seem to be super sophisticated people because like if mm-hmm. you send a bunch of like recently stolen Bitcoin or ETH and swap to the other in ThorChain, Everyone knows where it is on both ends of that. Anyone who's looking, who knows how to analyze a blockchain knows exactly where the money is. Uh, mm-hmm. So that that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, maybe they did mix, but they just like, because of the time frame they did it in, the amounts and all this kind of stuff, someone was able to just track all the addresses. I haven't kept a, up on the forensics of that kind of part of stuff. but uh, Or it could be, like, let's be honest, there is a possibility that some of this was done with U.S. government intervention or action as like a framing, right? Is like, yeah. oh, let's just like have our spook, you know, hack this, hack all this money, throw it through Thorchain and take out. Well, now we finally have the pretext to start taking down some of the biggest threats that we have. That um, you know, SBF and Gensler and all these other you know crooks have been trying to come after is DeFi. That's the DeFi yeah. front end. That's what they've really been going after. So it could be a conspiracy. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but one thing's for sure, like this is also a very legacy fiat mindset of money laundering, right? Where like what is money laundering? What it really means is I I, um, I did a tweet about it a while back and said, you know, money laundering is when um, poor people try to achieve financial privacy. Yeah. Um, and so it's basically 
basically in the it's the old school mentality of you have like a trace a traced amount of like funds and stuff it to throw it off the trail you throw it into a bank account and for other purposes and then and by the time you get it out it's like oh yeah that, it wasn't from this illegal illicit purpose but the thing is that's like such a you know, I won't say boomer again, but yeah, like a boomer mentality behind financial privacy. Like if you steal a bunch of Bitcoin, why are you going to go swap it for ETH on ThorChain? How does that help you unless you just wanted ETH and that's that? And why would you want ETH? Yeah. Because it's probably easier to spend Bitcoin. So the way to do it would be there. You can coin join through a whole bunch of different ways. And then you'd probably want to spend it and maybe turn it into a bunch of like gift cards and things like that, or like buy a yacht here or whatever else, or there's ways or way more effective ways to hide this stolen money. Again, I'm not advocating right. for hiding stolen money, but specifically I'm not advocating for stealing the money to begin with. But the right. point is using ThorChain as a mixer or as a privacy tool, is just like ridiculous. Like, why would you do that? It just doesn't. Now, if, it supported something like Zcash or Monero where you could just get it and then make the funds go dark and then put it back into Bitcoin at a later date in different amounts that you can't really trace. There there might be a case for that, but none of those assets are supported on ThorChain. Uh, probably Bitcoin's the most private asset that's supported on ThorChain. Kind of, maybe. <laughs> Unless you count <laughs> Ethereum being able to go through like the Railgun smart contract and stuff, which will be interesting to see what they do on that side. But the point is, it's just like, it's such a red herring where they're like, ah, oh, we need to prevent criminals from stealing money. So this literal swappy platform, we got to like censor it. It just makes no sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, not all criminals are smart, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's the other sad thing is they might just be like, just look into chat GBT. How do I launder money? <laughs> and then just says, well, this is how it's historically been done. Or they just look up Wikipedia and they're like, okay, I think I got some ideas. Uh -huh. uh, it's just like insane. Um, insane to think about that kind of stuff. Um, anyway, let me, so if you want to hit the pulse stuff, I yeah. have, am not super familiar with drama surrounding Pulse. I just, I know basically what it was. It's like a, a EVM style chain. For was, Ethereum, yeah. Yeah, that was created, you know, by Richard and team. And yep. primarily is like where a lot of the hex st contract stuff happens is not on Ethereum. Now I guess it's in Pulse. I guess that was like the. So the hex smart yeah. contract is completely immutable. It cannot be changed. It will always exist on Ethereum. Mm -hmm. But Pulse Chain was not just a fork of Ethereum. It was a fork of the entire system state of Ethereum. Mm -hmm. So the hex smart contract, in addition to every other smart contract that was on Ethereum, got forked onto Pulse Chain. Now it was up to the people who run those, you know, platforms, you know, up to the, you know, the companies, the people that, that run those platforms to implement the them on Pulse Chain. And really the only one that did was Hex. So now a majority of the trading volume and everything that happens with Hex happens on Pulse Chain because it's, you know, 
the the fork of the Richard Hart fork of Ethereum. So then um, I guess the reason that I wanted to talk about it is because the last time that I came on, you and I were talking about the Hex smart contract and it was kind of a follow-up from a piece that you did with Scott Cunningham. Mm -hmm. And you guys had talked a lot about the SEC allegations against Richard that he had like misappropriated funds Mm -hmm. um, that were sacrificed Mm -hmm. for Pulse Chain. So just to like, you know, go back to that, like the whole idea behind it being a sacrifice instead of, excuse me, sorry. Um, one more. Hang on. Nope. Sneeze sacrifice. That didn't work. Bless you. Okay. (laughs) So the whole idea behind, um, behind it being a sacrifice instead of like an ICO was because when people sacrifice their money, they're not expecting anything in return for it, right? Like Mm -hmm. it is a sacrifice, you're giving it up. You may or may not receive something in return, but like there is no reasonable expectation of profits. And a lot of people- Yeah, exactly, exactly. Kind of, but raffles have their own set of rules and, Mm -hmm. you know, let's not so let's not use that term Mm -hmm. but um that was the whole idea behind it being you know termed a sacrifice and then the people said like then then the sec's allegations were that regardless of it being a sacrifice the funds were misappropriated richard misappropriated the funds that were sacrificed for pulse chain by using them to buy luxury designer goods and with one specific example in mind being the hex.com diamond which is like the world's largest diamond it's like mm-hmm. a 5500 or 5555 carat diamond it's black it's hexagonal in shape it used to be known as the enigma mm-hmm. um, and the sec's allegations are that richard used funds from the sacrifice to buy luxury designer goods cars watches and a diamond Mm -hmm. however the on-chain data shows that funds that were sacrificed that were sent to the sacrifice address have never been touched have never Mm -hmm. been i mean they have been because a lot of people sacrificed you know tokens that you know the origin address um did not think would be valuable and so those funds were transferred into hex and usdc and then later into die and then they were used to lp for trading pairs Mm. yeah it's so but so the sacrifice funds and again i'm just taking your word for all this because i haven't actually looked into it Um, yeah but the sacrifice funds for pulse chain then just haven't moved other than they might have gotten consolidated but the total result is still in the same pot, right? Yep. Now, um, is the SEC alleging that it was sacrifice funds in particular that were used or just investor funds? Because that's It was sacrifice yeah. funds, which they are calling investor funds. Yeah. And so where did the money come from for like the diamond and other stuff like that? Where, where was Richard that was independently, like he was wealthy before Hex. Mm. and so it was just like all those like crypto stuff that he all those like gains from the past that he just like decided to start living like a king like a baller in the last couple of years 
Yeah, I mean, and it was, in my opinion, part of a marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, like, to, like, draw attention to the project and also draw Draw attention to to himself as a brand, draw attention to the project. And, you know, depending on, you know, what level of conspiracy theory you want to get into, potentially even attract the attention of the SEC so that it could be cleared, Hmm. so that it could be investigated and cleared. Interesting. And so, um, wow, that's, I mean, <coughs> sorry, it's a pretty big, pretty big trouble. He kind of brought up on himself. We'll see how it, it, um, it shakes out. But, well, it's- okay. But so here, here's what's interesting, right? Is just yesterday, I think it was officially deemed like, you know, there's been questions forever about whether Ethereum's a security. It was ruled that it's not, it was ruled that it is. And then like, I think it was yesterday that an Ethereum like ETF is going through. And so Ethereum is officially not a security. So mm-hmm. how is it possible that Pulse Chain, a fork of Ethereum, could be a security if Ethereum itself is not one? Yeah, so that is an interesting thing. Well, first of all, as I mentioned before, with like securities laws and stuff like, you know, that's old fiat stuff. It's like it's, it's a reality you have to deal with in, in the, the U.S. at least. But uh-huh. like I don't, I don't care. I don't care either. Yes. But it's just but so like people fu- want to, you know, people want to be like, people want to in one hand be like, you know, f the SEC, and then the other hand be like, oh, it's a security, and it's like you can't get, you can't do both. But you know, yeah. Well, that's a that's something where I definitely need to start calling out. Well, I need to start calling out Bitcoin Maximus. No, that's all I do anyway. But I'm saying. Uh, even more because lately, in the last couple years, like in during the the bear, Maxis have been talking about and praising regulatory crackdowns. Yep. Almost exclusively. Like yep. There's never. I haven't seen any like. I mean, I, some like they can't shut down Bitcoin stuff, but like not like bullish if they even try i haven't seen any of that stuff even it's just all been like we're gonna win because the government's gonna like us because they see us sound money now and anything the government does to shut down competitors is a good thing and definitely with like the sec thing has been very telling because i am mostly like i'm like 90 percent in the anti i mean i am i would say 100 percent in the anti-sec camp but i'm kind of like not usually 90 percent because there's the 10% that's always like a lot of the projects they do go after tend to have some shady things that just yeah. happen to overlap with the things that the government specifically says are illegal, at least this SEC administration. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the I think with the maxis, the truth in the falsehood that the maxis are saying is that a lot of times, the which is not nearly as much today, but definitely in the early days or whatever, is that the... SEC action is kind of like a a shitcoin alarm <laughs> or like if you can be sued for being a security it's because you were already centralized and just garbage anyway and whatever but that That's, i mean but that just says like yeah. you can but being sued doesn't mean that you're a, a security it doesn't it mean doesn't. That you're a shitcoin it means that the SEC is looking into you right like yeah that's ridiculous that's a ridiculous uh sentiment from bitcoiners yes of course but then it's not the only ridiculous sentiment but uh True. so we had on this 
subject. Um, he'll always, oops, back in the um, super chat. Um, he says, what would happen if Hex, to Hex slash Pulse, if Richard Hart decides not to market, promote, pump it after the lawsuit is over? Would it survive? And now I have to, I guess, add nuance to the term, like, survive. Uh, blockchains survive until, like, literally no one, literally no one, not, like, almost no one, but literally no one is maintaining the network anymore. It just grind Blocks stop coming out, right? So that's what, that's, that's not what we mean. I guess what, what I'm guessing he means is, would it like thrive, you know? So here's my question. Yes. Um, when Satoshi stopped posting in Bitcoin talk forums and, you know, mm-hmm. um, did, Bitcoin, would, did could Bitcoin survive? Like, well, Bitcoin it, historically, as we've seen, performed phenomenally uh-huh. in most metrics. There's the, the metric of like, decentralization and censorship resistant electronic cash that the world can use i don't think it's done nearly as well in that thing and you could say that without satoshi without satoshi's vision you know sorry to trigger people (laughs) like guiding (laughs) people along and just saying like without satoshi's word as a anti-co-opting mechanism it you could say that they that bad things happened as a result um but the thing is, like, but that is because Bitcoin's co- core code could be changed. Hex's core mm-hmm. code cannot be changed. Yes, but I guess pulses can. Yeah. And possibly, pulses could be changed to where hexes on pulses could then be changed. Because that's not possible, right? Again, I'm theoretically in this uh-huh. case, right? But you could theoretically add um, centralized contract mutability into pulse at the top layer and then modify hex's contract not on ethereum again but on the pulse side of things that could theoretically happen i don't which... think so i'm not and like i'm not dev you know enough mm-hmm. to fizz like to really answer that question like adequately but i really i don't think that it could be um so to answer your question, like if Richard just disappeared and mm. never spoke about Hexer Pulse again, and we never saw or heard from him again, could it continue to thrive? Yeah, because there's still, you know, a community of people who support and believe in and talk about the product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, so much of this has been around, I guess, the personality of Richard Hart, as in there's yep. been a lot of, you know, I can't think of a single other, from my mind, like for, so for example, you think of Charlie Lee's, the guy who made Litecoin. Mm-hmm. And then he's the only like, then there's like, I just know David Burkett, the the guy who made Mimblewimble. But other than that, the only Litecoin people I know are just like rando influencer type people. Like it's like right. that and then down below. And then we talk about who do you know who is a Bitcoin runner. I mean, I know tons of different core devs. I know... Michael Saylor's the CEO. I call him the CEO of Bitcoin because it really pisses off the maxis. But you know, he's uh-huh. kind of one of those people. Nayib Bukele is one of those people. Max Kaiser is like, you. There's like people yeah. involved. Um, with Hex, I as far as behind the project, it seems like from I'm I'm just giving like the public perception. It's like there's Richard and everyone else in Hex seems to be like a customer slash a promoter. And is there anyone else? that we who's public who's able to like like say richard just disappears 
Oh, so there a- are develop there are developers. They're yes. like um we do know who some of them are. They're pulse mm-hmm. chain developers as well who are known. Um, but for the most part, they prefer to keep a more like uh low private profile. huh? Low profile. Low profile. That yeah. said, like, you know, if it were necessary for one of them to step in like they don't want to they want to code they're not Mm. you know public personas they they want to work on their code work on their projects live their lives live their private lives right Mm. but like yeah if if it were necessary and we've even seen devs from hex and pulse chain do streams so yeah there are people who could come step up and speak technically and then there are like the you know mega and like you know not mega influencers like to the same scale of like the bitcoiners who you named but there are there are also people who within the you know richard hart ecosystem have or like you know would be the equivalent of like the max kaisers and um yeah yeah so who do you think first off who controls the sacrifice funds is that known it is not known. The origin address controls the sacrifice funds. Yeah. And so a lot of people, as we went over last show, uh, post- posit that the origin address is Richard, although it's right. not necessarily proven, um, mm-hmm. but he hasn't done anything with it. So uh, what do you, this is just more of a philosophical question at this point, because like I, a lot of people say that so the best thing Satoshi could have done for, Bitcoin was disappear. And yeah. I think a lo- I think the best thing he could have done was launch a very working product before anyone knew what crypto was and maintain strict anonymity to where no one knows, you know, who he is, not you Craig, right? Um no one knows <laughs> who he was. And so those are the best things that he's done. Disappearing kind of I think it does solidify the decentralization idea. But bad things happened after he left, I think. So Mm -hmm. here's, I guess, my general question about, like, let's just forget about Hex for a second because it's it's a part of Pulse. I guess Pulse should be the main. People should forget Hex exists, kind of, because Pulse is I mean, I definitely don't think that people should forget Hex exists. But you know what I'm saying is in it's people get it because it started with Hex, but Pulse is what Hex is running on, kind of, right now. Uh And so... Pulse should be the main thing because if Pulse goes away, I would say Hex goes away because it's still on Ethereum too, but it mostly would go away, you would say, right? Because it's most of it's going on in Pulse these days. But so mm-hmm. I would say like Pulse is the number one, Hex is the number two is my point, I guess. Okay, uh, I would disagree, but because Pulse exists for Hex, but... So, well, that... Get into that in in a second because that's also fascinating to me. But first off, do you think Pulse, let's just say, we could say Pulse or and Hex together, fine. But do you think they'd be better off if Richard Hart like disappeared one day or just like left left and left it to their own devices, or do you think it's better off with him as the figurehead? Well, I mean, like that's kind of an open-ended question, right? Because you know, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, so I mean, I think that like everybody misses you know, within the you know Hex Pulse world. Everybody misses mm-hmm. Richard as the figurehead. Everybody misses him live streaming. People miss his like you know maybe they don't miss out the outrage marketing so much, but they miss <laughs> the educational content that he was creating 
before and during the outrage phase. So mm -hmm. like, as we are, you know, launching and, and gaining awareness, like, yeah, I think for the most part, people feel it would be better for Richard to still be around. That said, like, there are a lot of people who are saying, no, it's better for the decentralization of the network that there isn't a figurehead, you know, because in early days of Ethereum, I remember like Vitalik being advisor on certain projects and that kind of like giving, you know, legitimacy to like, oh my go and, you know, certain things like that, that ended up failing, you know, horrifically. Um, so like, when you've got a central figurehead like, you know, like Vitalik, like Charlie Lee, like Satoshi, like Richard Hart, um, then that kind of like kills um, anything that could be built on the network because whatever that person thinks goes. So in terms of like decentralization, I think that, you know, having a, a um, smaller role or like a less forward facing role is better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, a, uh, let me think about the, um, so Litecoin started by Charlie Lee and then kind of like let to do its own thing for a while was the original code base that Dash was based on way back in the day. But then Dash was rebased off of Bitcoin because Litecoin development is basically non-existent. It was like a dead, dead abandoned project. And then Charlie Lee got it on Coinbase when he was director of engineering in Coinbase. Pump right. went to the moon, all that kind of stuff. Clearly, so Litecoin was going on the road to nowhere without Charlie. Then it had a resurgence thanks to Charlie. Then when Charlie you know, sold the top, haha suckers, <laughs> took <laughs> off, um, he's still kind of around, but he's mostly, you would say, he's in the, the, the background now. Um, I think that Litecoin's probably better off now because um, rather than just Charlie being like, oh, what's Bitcoin going to do next? Let's try it on Litecoin first for a quick pump. Like now the community seems to embrace like Mimblewimble. That was entirely done outside of Charlie's purview. Just some random guy, not some random guy, a, a single developer as far as I know did that. And then mm -hmm. there's a pretty... Litecoin is being used a lot if you look at the blockchain, like over 100,000 transactions per day, more than like typical days of like Bitcoin, Cash, Dash, Monero, Zcash combined, for example. So it's like doing pretty well just from being gone. So we'll see what happens there. And then you get to like, do you even know who the founder of Monero was? It was not Fluffy Pony, for sure. It was not Fluffy Pony. I don't know who the founder was. No. Yeah. No one really knows. It was a pseudonym. Fluffy was uh -huh. the de facto founder because he was there for so long in the beginning and spoke for the project. And he's sort of floated away-ish a little. And it seems like, in Monero's case, that seems to have been a good thing, I think. Mm -hmm especially because he has a very toxic personality and he cultivated a lot right. of toxicity in the community. And now that he's taken back, you still see some of that, but you see a lot of like genuine, reasonable right. people in Monero today. And I think that's yeah. a good thing. And I mean, and the same argument could be made for, you know, Pulse, Shane and Richard. Yeah. Because like if I was investing money in a project and I saw some dude in a bathtub washing his jeans with his feet and putting it online, I'd just be like, <laughs> what the hell? What the hell is this? 
So to a certain extent, there might be a bunch of potential hex hexagons out there who just like are not, just would not go near the project as long as that's going on. Um, it's interesting to think about like Vitalik as well. He's still very involved in Ethereum, but he's not viewed as like the complete god of Ethereum anymore. Yeah, maybe. but if Vitalik has an opinion about something, it's pretty much that's gonna that's what's gonna be the yeah. pro that's what's gonna prevail. Yep, uh, fair enough. Now Cardano, if Hoskinson, if he husks yep. off somewhere, I think Cardano's like gone in a matter of years. But, but that's just my public perception. Right. Because well, I mean, he's so also tied because that network out. doesn't function. So, yeah, does it? I haven't tried it ever. Uh, as so. far as I know, like the number of transactions that it can process is incredibly low. It's mm. not functional. Yeah. But then you get to um, stuff like the L2s, like Polygon. Mm -hmm. And if that's completely, I would say completely centralized, but like very centralized. Yep. You know, and the admin keys. So if the people holding the admin keys all lose the keys, yep. what happens then? Yeah. You know, does that mean it just is now, well, it's, it's decentralized because no one runs it. Or does that mean that like now it's like a dead chain, a dead L2 because you will need to do updates every once in a while on bug fixes and you just can't do that without the admin keys? I don't know. Again, I'm not, that's beyond my pay grade maybe, but more importantly, yeah. it's beyond my like ability to care because they're highly centralized L2s that I wish didn't exist to begin with kind of. So I'm like, nah, I don't care. I don't care to learn. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bless you. And um, great wolf mentioned in the non super live chat, even though he has access to the super chat um, <laughs> about um, Dan Larimer and yeah. Dan Larimer projects. And that's, very interesting because he is one of those people who just like is just out there cranking things out. Yep. And if you, and if you can make a new use case on top of delegated proof of stake with a bunch of hype that gets abandoned after years, he's on that shit, right? Yeah. And so BitShares, obviously, then you get Steam, and then you get to EOS, which by the way, another easily forgotten SEC settlement. Was the yeah, well, because they basically got a slap on the wrist. Yeah, they just paid yeah. a bunch of money. But yeah. that was, like, now the SEC seems to be coming after things more nefariously. Whereas before well, it was just, said, like, like um, what the SEC seeks in settlement from Richard Hart, it, I mean, like, it's a, it's a civil case. And what they mm -hmm. seek in settlement is $12 million. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he, after he left steam uh so steam and eos after he left first off after he left steam then like justin sun basically bought the network even though that's not yeah. how it works but it's how it kind of worked right yep and then after um hive was created um now steam is just like dead it's as far as i know it's like dead 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 like no one it's it's not coming back hive is still around but mm -hmm. it's I think without a lot of like the creative division of development stuff to keep going on, I don't think it's going to be around super long term. Um, and then who knows, like Larimer hinted it's trying to do something else. Like let's start a new DPoS chain. And then everyone's just like, get out of here. And he just didn't do anything. That was kind of funny. I don't remember. That was like a couple of years ago, but yeah, uh -huh. again, another figurehead who you need for these kinds of things. Um, I don't know anything about the cosmos 
people who started it or anything. I Cosmos was almost off my radar entirely until, um, first of all, all like the Thorchain and Mayan stuff were all like IBC based stuff. Right. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, Zcash is looking into doing some IBC stuff. I don't exactly know what that means specifically in this context, but um, Dash's evolution chain, which is, you know, any day now, right? <laughs> uh, also uses uh, modified Tendermint consensus, also loosely based off. So like Cosmos has clearly made quite a big splash and I have no idea who's been involved in any piece of it. So I guess that's a good thing, right? There's no real founder-itis in Cosmos' yeah. case. Do you actually know yeah. who the founder of Cosmos is or who they are? I, I actually don't. So um, the founder of Cosmos would be whoever the same founder of Tendermint is, uh, which, again, I don't know. I do work with Cosmos projects, like, fairly regularly for my, you know, day job. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I know who the founders of the, you know, the the – ibc chains are like right we know who sunny agarwal is and he's the founder of osmosis and we know you know we know who the founders of persistence are that's like tushar um we know who but i i couldn't tell you who the founder of cosmos itself is no yeah i guess that's a good thing um now zcash is an interesting thing because um there's a few people involved, but like Zuko's the figurehead and Zuko's been, I think that even if Zuko wasn't the figurehead, but he was just heavily involved with it, he'd still be the the figurehead because of his like legacy in the cryptography space and all that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's more complicated than just Zuko runs things for, for sure. Um, but he probably does have a massive amount of sway. Um, uh-huh. I do know there's some people that think he should not run the electric coin company anymore. He should be more of an advisory, kind of like a spiritual leader, not running things day to day. Yeah. And, but he's around. And I think that if, if Zuko left and said, I think I'm going to, you know, you know what? I think I'm going to help Monero with their encryption, encrypted privacy. If he like went off and did that, Zcash <laughs> probably gone. Not not gone, but like it would tank probably significantly. Uh-huh. Right now it'd be like if like someone obviously there's a lot of very smart people involved in Zcash beyond that, but let's be honest, a big figurehead thing. Yeah. Um, if we went back to like Fluffy Pony, if he left Monero like for real and like started talking smack about it and throwing his weight behind a different project, a competitor, that would harm Monero. But I think Monero would be fine. You know? Yeah. Um, Roger Veer took a step. He's the Bitcoin Cash founder. Not in the slightest right. the Bitcoin yeah. Cash founder. But he was the primary figurehead for many years. And yep. recently, post Amari Sashay split, he hasn't really been around that much. Like, he's, No, I've had several you know, conversations with him asking him, you know, let's do an interview. Let's do a profile. Yeah. Let's write, you know, let's do an article on you for CryptoMag. And he's like, hey, like... I don't like being in the public spotlight that much anymore. I don't want to do it, you know? Yeah. And to be fair, I don't think he ever liked it. I just think he just thought he had to. And now he's just, you know what? Taking some me time. I chatted with him too. He's taking care of his, you know, personal stuff. And um, he seems to be having a good time with his life. He seems, I have seen him allude to being pro digital cash. A lot of times recently, yep. but 
sometimes I think he's mentioned Bitcoin Cash or alluded towards it, but not nearly as much or explicitly as before. So you could say like Bitcoin Cash lost its biggest figurehead and its literal founder. Also, some Bitcoin Cash people hate it when I say Amari founded it. I know, but it's true. It's it's mostly true. I mean, there's a lot of nuance. but, But without those two, I mean, I do think that is a... I do think that that is a, a, a very big endorsement of um, Bitcoin Cash that it seems to be doing pretty well, all things considered. I mean, not yeah. really in transaction counts or market cap yet, but everything else seems to be doing pretty decently with a lot of like development and energy on Twitter and all this other kind of stuff, despite yeah. the actual development founder leaving and, um, and actually being kicked out. <laughs> and... Um, the biggest figurehead who they just like became kind of like a one in the same to the pub, to the maxis. I, I wouldn't say, I don't know if the public, but the maxis at least he's yeah. just like not around and it's just still doing fine. So that's a great thing. Now, yeah. um, eCash without Amare would probably like the entire value proposition. The founding principle of eCash, whether they want to admit it or not is um, let's give Amari money and do what he says, because that's a good vision. So if Amari Sachet left, you know, left eCash, I mean, I think that's it for eCash. <laughs> like, just done. Yeah. And even worse, though, is if Craig Roy left BSV. Woo! That's... Let's not get into that because that's a whole other can of worms that's going on right now. Like, I, not leaving I've... BSV, but N-Chain, all the N-Chain drama. Yes, I've... I've... I need to have Kurt back on. I, I kind of messaged him when it happened. Yeah. I, and, and not just like a gossip on the news show here, but like I'd yeah. like to, you know, have like a tussle with him on like an interview, like a friendly one because, you know, he's smart and principled and, you know, all this and reasonable and all this stuff. But it'd be fun to just have like a, a good, good chat on that. But yeah. Well, like, you know what would be worthwhile? It would be obviously mm-hmm. like Kurt, who's, you know, on the Craig side of things, but to also mm-hmm. have like Christian on Mm, yeah um that would be nice um i would have to do like a bsv like super episode where i talk to both of them and stitch them together yeah see see what um but then if i did that for bsv i'd have to do something like that for for bch where there's not as much drama. I already did that for cash tokens and stuff recently, though. So maybe uh-huh. I can do that. I'm just sort of thinking out loud. Sorry for people who just don't want to hear me. Like, no, but I mean, I think you know, the scheduling BSV community in real time. is the BSV community is robust and active. I think that you probably get a lot of views on that if you were to do a super episode like that. Yes. Um, fun fact: I in the years past, I did reach out to Craig Wright. Uh, uh-huh. This is when he first came out well first of all i was the one who broke the news that he came out claiming to be satoshi for coin telegraph right okay so back in the day it was like 4 a.m i'm like writing up trying to get get the thing out there um but also back when i was still working for dashley it must have been 2019 or so whenever he came out like the satoshi's back and he's pissed kind of thing uh-huh. um, he agreed to come on the show on the, the okay. dash based youtube channel but then he like backed out later 
but I've interviewed Craig on camera um, before and off camera and I've talked to him like he's never been super rude to me, to be honest. Yeah, he blocked me on Twitter. So did he? And he for being very polite and respectful and not in a weird gotcha. He just he's a little cantankerous on Twitter. But yeah, Um, yeah. Great Wolf in the regular in the unsuper chat, the regular chat. Um, he just said, uh, if Nicole had to do a Bitcoin girl style video like Naomi, which coin would she pick for this? Wait, a Bitcoin, like the, the Naomi video that she did the like, yeah, Bitcoin girl. Yeah. Like uptown girl. Yeah, I guess I, I didn't really know her super well back okay then. i love the video by the way it's like yeah. it's hilarious I if love you had to it. do that for that any was coin. My introduction to naomi mm-hmm. so if you had to do that for any coin which would it be hex so it'd be hex and um i guess does that count that you've already done a million of those kinds of things like the the have fun staying poor video and all the other ones <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, yeah, I've done those shorts, right? I've done those shorts for Bitcoin, um, Hex, uh, Chainlink. I did a short for N- that was about NFTs. Uh-huh. I did one that was like, um, like, it was weird things. God, it, this is like the cringiest video I've ever made. Um, but it was like, like pickup lines, crypto pickup lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of like use for like quality content like that, you know. You um, think there's use for oh, for quality? <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad that you consider that quality content, Joel, because you know. Yeah, because let's be honest, um, a lot. The amount of like the fact that it's it's educational even if it's like surface level education, like, so Naomi is probably one of the most in depth and educated educators in the, I wouldn't say crypto space. Cause she's kind of more just in the privacy space, privacy. Now with some, mm-hmm. but she knows her stuff very well. Yeah. Like I know her, her research levels. I've changed my own life to a certain extent based on her advice on certain privacy practices and stuff. Yeah. But of course I did my own research too, but she just gave the blueprint and I was like, all right, great, great. Dude, awesome. Naomi and I shared a stalker once someone who oh, had, I, I know who it is. I must know yeah. who it is then. Yeah. But <laughs> the point and is I had to contact Naomi and be like, what do I do? And she told me what to do. And yeah, I listened. <laughs> so, but Naomi's best stuff is like entertainment. Like right today, like, her informative videos are really good, right? And I watch yeah. them because I'm a I'm a loser, I'm a nerd, right? But like <laughs> her her TikTok channel slash YouTube uh-huh. shorts is killer content. And it's entertaining to where when I'm scrolling on TikTok, getting my like brain rot in for the day, I uh and I come across her videos, I don't go like, oh yeah, hit like, skip. I like hit like and I keep watching because it's entertaining, right? It's good yeah. stuff. And it's educational as well in a very important way and i think that if you have like the you know like the even if it's goofy and silly if you hit in some education there it's like so you're encouraging me to bring back my cringe tastic content yes 
Absolutely. All right, I'll think about it. I mean, it would be it like, you know, if we're, if we're going into a bull market, now would be the time. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's it, did you have fun making those? Honestly? Oh, God, yes. If you so have fun, much. then why not do it? As long as you can hit, see if you can get Elon to monetize you. And then just oh, I'm like, monetized. But like, so like you, people that sign up for your subscriptions and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So just let them subscribe and be like subscribers, get this, this video. And then you might, might tease a couple out on regular, but then you just get people subscribing to just be like, what new pumpamentals, you know, content. And then like, it's always going to be like, if it's outrageous enough, then there's always like rumors and it gets leaked kind of. And then people be like, oh, I should subscribe so I can like, like get this. I mean, if people are doing like, you know, if people are like selling fee picks and stuff, like <laughs> if you like actually can educate people, like how much better is it than that? Right. Yeah. All right, well, maybe uh, maybe it's time. People have been messaging me saying things like, "I really miss your TikToks," and "I really miss that," you know, this these weird videos, <laughs> your crypto ASMR videos. So maybe it's time to bring that back. Yes, and it's not just like a, a willingness to do it; it's also an ability to do it. Which, like, not everyone, you know, some people think like, "Oh, I can just like, oh, if I tried that, I'd be super popular." Like haters would say, but it's. <laughs> having a personality and being able to work in intelligent content in a seemingly goofy, unintelligent ways. It's a, it's a very tricky skill. It's not, it's deceptively hard. I've actually tried to like, mm -hmm. um, pass on that like torch to like younger, you know, younger up and coming crypto influencer girls. And then like, okay, tried to like coach them. They can't do it. I don't know. It's, it, it's like my thing. I invented it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we could do. Remember, Brie Fit Dance, that person from Yes, and like, yes. I don't know how much. Like, that's a different story, maybe. But like, mm -hmm. it's there's so many. Um, here, this is gonna be the the last cringe thing, and then we gotta wrap this up. But like, yeah. Um, special shout out to um Ash Toshi. I don't know if you follow Ash. I know Toshi, Ash Toshi, mm -hmm. but. She manages to create uniquely engaging content. And I guess that's all that's all I could really say about it is just like there's so many people on, on crypto Twitter who are just trying to get attention and like post attention seeking stuff. And like Ash is very kind of, I guess, reserved. But then when stuff comes, there's just something there's some je ne sais quoi about it. That's like I guess it's like a talent for, you know quality content for snark. Or whatever. Ash has a call a, a talent for snark. Yeah, it's called personality and it doesn't yeah. you can't just decide to have personality. You have it or don't. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. you can you learn how to articulate it or don't. And so yeah, that's mm -hmm. what I'm saying is like I don't think you can just be like younger and have that. You know, you have to have that independent of, you know, your age or whatever the kind of thing. So yeah. it's definitely something that like it's not time to, to pass down. It's not time to re retire the tiara quite yet. Let's just, well, let's I'm just never retiring the tiara, but all right. Maybe it's time to bring back some of my cringe content. Thank you for the inspiration. Yes, absolutely. All right. So people can follow you on Twitter at nerd girl. Nerd girl and, and our, seven, no vowels. Nerd girl. Oh, seven. And that's where you post all your stuff. 
Is that where you're going to have a lot of the, the new cringe content? Yeah, I mean, it seems like TikTok is the place for that cringe content, but maybe I'll do like some of it on TikTok and then maybe I'll do, I'll start posting subscriber only content. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and we'll just see how it goes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then I also like, cause I write articles and stuff like, you know, I don't just make cringe. Um, so I also post everything that I write uh, on, t on, uh, on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, everyone, follower, it's a good time. Um, haven't been disappointed yet. Um, <laughs> don't remember the SEC sucks. Don't forget that. Um, yeah. Do your own research as always. None of this could anyway be cons construed as investment advice. I mean, what the hell nope. have I even said today? Like, it's funny when people give that disclaimer. This is not investment advice. Buy this token. And it's yeah. just like, I don't give that disclaimer because I never I just price go. I don't talk about any of that stuff. So it's yep. just, but um, this is not career advice. Let's let me just say that it's not career advice that I've except for today. to me. Yes, it's it's not career advice, but you should do this. Okay, <laughs> that's my disclaimer. Uh, have okay. a good weekend, boys and girls, and stay out of trouble. Uh, don't forget that Craig Wright is not Satoshi. Um, tell him if you want. He, he doesn't like it though. And um, yeah, I will see you guys next week. Enjoy, and yeah, stay out of trouble. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.